you only get one shot with your family. You don't get a do over. You don't get a do over with those kids. They're first this or first that, or like when you come home and you kiss them and you know, you put them to bed, you don't spend any time with them. And I got one more proposal to do or one more email to do. And the little kids are like, I want to pitch baseball. I want to go to cheerleading. I want to go to recital and I want you there. If you're going to cheat somebody, cheat the office because they don't have a memory, but that family does that spouse that you're married to, you know, you need to hold them in high esteem because they're deserving of that. And you've pledged that in a covenant that you're going to hold them first and foremost. For me, I'm Christian by faith. And so my relationship with God is first, then my wife, then my kids, then my grandkids, then my business. And when you have it in the correct order, you're going to be more satisfied. You're going to be evenly balanced throughout your life and you're not sacrificing your family as a result of just gaining more um, tangible possessions or status or titles because when those things are taken away from you who are you we believe that you are strong by design and you were made in god's image to have a strong body mind and spirit you're listening to the number one strength and health authority podcast in the world so let's get ready to unlock your potential and transform your life in today's episode. Hello there. Welcome to another episode here on the Strong by Design podcast show. Hosting today, Coach Chris Wilson. So delighted to have you. Thank you for joining us. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. You're in for a great treat. I just made some small talk with our very special guest today, and I'm super excited to talk uh, about this particular subject because of the need for it. Um, And it's just really super inspiring what this gentleman is doing uh, in the world. And so can't wait to to get to our guest uh, and to introduce this topic. If you're a... um, uh, a return listener of the podcast. Welcome back. Uh, obviously, we've been doing this now for a while. Uh, we have some great stuff behind us now. We're, we've passed episode, uh, over 250 episodes, and it's just uh, i got to go back and start listening to some past episodes because there's so much good stuff in there, and we have taken turns hosting the show over the years. And so there's some great conversations that I was not part of that I still love to go back and listen to and learn something because that's what this podcast is all about, helping people to grow in all the different areas of life and body and mind and spirit. And so uh, I know without a question, this conversation today will move the needle for you in your life. And I, I ask you in advance, if you would, please share this episode with a friend or family member after uh, you've listened to it, because I'm sure there's someone that'll come to mind that you could say, "Oof, man, so and so really needs to hear that. They 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 need this kind of kick in the in the rear to kind of start taking action in their life." And and that's that's the, really the one thing that we're after with our podcast is that something the message resonates and it helps you to take action in your life uh, to live the life uh, you were designed to live to live strong by design. And uh, so, with that being said, our special guest today, Mr. And the ring and the bell out. I, I knew it. I knew I was going to hear some bell ringing. We're, we're, it's a YouTube filming day, and, and they're out there having their fun. But uh, we're still going to podcast on. So our very special guest today, Aaron Walker, is founder and president of Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind Group, uh, which as soon as I was introduced to this gentleman, I read about 
what he is doing. I was instantly excited and wanting to speak with him. And so uh, this is really a, a terrific opportunity for me. And for you as a listener, you're going to hear from a man who's really been through some great experiences in life. And he is, is just when he thinks he's retiring and has done all the things he's going to do, he gets right back into it and finds something new to do. And I, I just love that because I don't see myself ever truly retiring myself. So, Aaron, welcome to Strong by Design. So great to have you, sir. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me on today. <laughs> and I love your backdrop, man. That's a, that's on a monitor, right? That's a, uh, yeah. a monitor. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, iron sharpens iron. It's great. Looks good. I love I love I love the logo. Uh, so, for over forty two years, Aaron, you've uh, been a small business owner. You've been a, a, a husband now for over forty years. Yeah. And that's is your wife's name, Robin. Robin, yeah, yeah. So congratulations that's on that. I'm, the biggest accomplishment, right? Four decades of marriage, forty-three years in June. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. Well done, and a, a community leader as well. Um, and the stuff that you're doing right now with the Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind Group is really extraordinary and falls right in line with things that I've been doing in my life, things that we've talked about here in past episodes on Strong by Design, enriching other people's lives, bringing people together in community, uh, sharpening each other, just like the Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, right? Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That's, that's locked up in the brain because that's a good one to remember for, for all of life's uh, thing, things that come at you. Um, but obviously... At the point that you're at in life right now, which I could only hope to to elevate to in my life, it didn't start there, obviously, right? Could could we rewind a little bit, if you would, go back to the earlier years? It could be childhood. It could be your teenage years or early 20s. What were some of the, uh, the moments or the people that invested in you and really uh, inspired uh, you to become the, the man you are today? Well, Chris, we'll go way back. Uh, we'll start at uh, when I was a kid. I uh, grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, which I currently live. And uh, so does everybody else. I think everybody's moving to Nashville right now. And uh, the traffic's a little different than it was when I was a kid. But I came from a very poor family. Uh, my dad was a great man. My mom was very inspirational, a great lady. But he was a terrible business person. When I was 13, he invited me to help him during the summer uh, to turn this beauty shop into a pawn shop. And I didn't even know what a pawn shop was. I was like, I'm never, like, what is that? And he said, I'm, you know, it, it is what it is, but that's irrelevant in this story. But so I went with him and helped him uh, for the summer. And at the end of the summer, I went up to the owner, uh, Herb Berry, and I said, uh, Hey, would you hire me to work? I go to school just a mile down the road. And he said, what would you do? And I said, I'll clean these showcases and sweep the floors and whatever you need, I'll do it. And he said, you're hired. And so I said, it's the shortest interview in history. He hires me to work at this pawn shop. So every day after school, I go there and fall in love with the business. And when I turned 15 years old, I decide that's what I'm going to do professionally. And, uh, Went to summer school and night school for about 18 months. I was able to graduate at the beginning of my junior year in high school. And so I started working full-time and uh, met a couple of guys that were investing in diamonds and gold and silver. 
to hedge against inflation. They own the 21st largest insurance agency in the country at the time. And uh, I was only like 18 years old and they would come in periodically and they would buy trays fulls of diamonds and gold. And so I went to them one day and I said, Hey, why don't, why don't we take your money and my experience and open our own pawn shop? And uh, he started laughing. He said, how old are you? And I said, I'm 18. And he said that we've never had anybody approach us your age to go in business. Uh, he said, let's talk more about it. So I went to his office. We talked through it, make a long, long story short. Uh, they agreed to do it. So I went to my employer and I said, Hey, uh, I got to go to see if I can do it myself. And he said, you're 18. And I said, yeah, I know, but I got to see if I can do it. So I owned a third, the other two guys owned two thirds and they put up $150,000 and uh, gave me a checkbook and uh, said, go open it. So I did. I was engaged to my girlfriend at the time, Robin. Uh, she was still in school and uh, I opened the store. And so a uh, year later we get married and we're sitting there at our condo, little 600 square foot condo. And I said, Robin, we can't mess this up. I may never get this opportunity again, and you are poorer than I am when we got married, and so we've got to make the best of this. And so, Chris, we got to work, and we worked really hard. It was $150,000, and in the 70s, that was a lot of money, and uh, it was a 10-year loan, and we paid it off in 36 months. And so now I'm 21 years old. We have a paid-for pawn shop, and it was a really, really nice store. It wasn't your typical pawn shop. And so I said, you know, I think I can do it again. And so uh, I did. And we paid it off in about four years. And then I started buying locations here in Nashville. And then when I was 27, a company in Fort Worth, Texas called Cash America, they came to me and they said, uh, we're growing. We want to relocate in Nashville, and we want to buy your stores. I said, I'm not for sale. And we did that little song and dance for about three months. And finally he came back and to get rid of him, he said, hypothetically, if you were going to sell, what would you sell for? And I threw a number out and he said, we'll take it. And I said, well, I kind of recanted. And I said, uh, I just built these buildings and, uh, you know, these were big, these were 10,000 square foot stores. They were really nice locations. He said, no, that's for the business. You keep your property. This is just for the business. Oh, wow. And I said, you're going to pay me that just for the business, not the locations. And they said, yeah. So anyway, my banker said, Hey, big A, you got to do this. Uh, you, you were broker and a convict, you know, when you were 18 and now you're able to retire at 27, you need to do it. So I did. And that was fun for about 18 months until I started gaining weight, getting in the bed in the middle of the day. And about 18 months later, Robin woke me up and she said, hey, this is not what I signed up for. Like you've gained 50 pounds. You're getting in the bed in the middle of the day. And I said, listen, what am I going to do? Like I play golf every day. I fish every day. My buddies are at work. So I went back, bought the pawn shop I started with when I was uh, 13 years old, and we grew it about four times the size it was. I had the resources then to grow that business. And when I turned 40, Chris, I was headed to the office. We go to our church every Wednesday morning, and we pray for our family, and we pray for our church, and I'm very close to our pastor. And I left there as a typical Wednesday morning. It was August 1st, 2001, so about 20, a little over 20 years ago now. I was within a mile of my office, and a gentleman was crossing the street ahead of me and didn't look my way and ran out to catch a bus, and uh, I ran over him. 
And uh, my life come to a screeching halt that day. It was like, I'm scared to turn and look and, uh, you know, I'm afraid not to. And so I get out of the car and this older gentleman's laying face down in the street and uh, cars were stopping four lane highway, very busy highway. And I called 911, the ambulance and the police cars, fire trucks started coming from everywhere and they put him on a gurney and they put me in the back of a police car and they said, uh, we've talked to everybody here. Everybody said you weren't speeding, you weren't doing anything wrong. Uh, and I said, is he going to be okay? And he said, he's got severe head trauma. And I said, uh, would somebody please call me and let me know his condition? So that Saturday morning, 930, they called me, Vanderbilt Hospital in Nashville. And they said, are you Mr. Walker? And I said, yes. And they said, we were given your number. And they asked us to call you and let you know how Enrique is. And I said, yes. And they said he didn't make it. And I'm like, you got to be kidding. He said, no, he, he didn't make it. He had severe head trauma. And uh, we found out later that he couldn't see well. He just didn't see me. He was 77 years old. He was from the Philippines originally. And he was just crossing the street to catch the bus and just took off running. He just didn't see me. So that developed a lot of stress and a lot of pressure. I went back to my partner and I said, uh, hey, I'm, I'm going to sell out. Like I'm cashing in. I'm 40 been chasing money, you know, a long time and I'm going to retire. And I did for five years. I took a break. And, uh, during the course of that last business, I had uh, met a guy here in Nashville that was, uh, starting a radio program and he wanted me to advertise on his show. And he offered me free advertising to try him because he was just starting. And so I did, and it was a very successful program and, uh, ended up sponsoring his show for 21 years as a result of that. It was Dave Ramsey, and it was when Dave first started. And uh, I saw Dave uh, a couple of years later after the accident. I was at a Mercy Me concert, and uh, I'd been sponsoring his show all the way up through this. And he said, I want you to join a mastermind group that I'm starting. And I said, Dave, I don't even know what a mastermind group is. And he right. said, I think there's people listening that aren't quite sure what that yeah, means. Yeah, yeah. He said, uh, I, th I think you'll enjoy this. Just show up. And I didn't want to go. And I went to Robin and I said, you know how Dave is. He's going to be up in my face. He's going to find out I've got real estate debt and he's going to find out that, you know, my kids uh, act up sometimes and you and I argue and uh, she goes, ah, go check it out. So I did for a few weeks and I came back and I said, Robin, I said, I found my people. She said, what do you mean? I said, they're vulnerable. They're transparent. So we spent the next 12 years uh, meeting every Wednesday morning in Dave's office and, um, so that went on for 12 years. And then 12 years ago, I retired. I'm 62 now. I'll be 62 in March. And when I retired the final time, Dave and Dan Miller and some of those guys said, what are you going to do now? And I said, nothing. I said, I'm going to go down to the Caribbean, buy one of those little tiki huts down there and rock myself into an oblivion. And they said, no, you're too young to do that. You've owned 12 companies up to this time, and you and Robin have been married over 30 years, and uh, you, you need a coach. And I said, I don't want to do that. So you need to pray about it. And Dave said, come to Entree Leadership. You be my guest. I'll gift it to you. And Dan Miller said, come and do uh, Innovate, the program for coaches. And so I did that, and uh, Dan texted me on the way home. We all live here in Nashville, and he texted me. He goes, Big A, did you see the way the people were leaning in? at your table listening to you talk. 
And I said, well, maybe I'm a good storyteller. And he said, no, you've got real life experience. Like you've got 12 businesses you've owned, 30 years of marriage, two beautiful daughters. You really need to pray about coaching. So when I went and did Entree Leadership, there was a couple of guys there that found me and Dave introduced me and uh, these guys hired me as their coach. And so I was going to do that for fun, started doing a few interviews I turn around one day and look up. We've got 150 men from five different countries around the world, 15 mastermind groups, and uh, we're growing very rapidly because of the transformational experience that these people are getting as a result of being in these masterminds. And so, Chris, it's a little longer opening than you probably wanted, but that gives your audience context uh, as to what we're doing today and maybe some of the reasons that we're doing it. What I learned as a result of that accident was that I had great success financially, but I didn't have any significance. And I'm like, I don't want my legacy to be poor kid, able to retire at 27, nobody cares. I said, what I want my legacy to be is Chris Wilson's life is different as a result of having interacted with me, right? I want to leave a legacy. And I came home with a pocket full of money to a house full of strangers. And I said, I don't want that happening to other business people. And I want to go on a quest to help people understand that you can have great success and significance simultaneously. And that's what we're helping people do today. Yeah, it's wonderful. I love it. Um, I could listen to it again uh, because it's it's really hit home. Um, I, I love how willing you are to just put it out there. And I think that's where when people hold back. Uh, their their story, the good parts, the bad parts, the in between parts. I think that's that's what kind of um, prevents real true connection from happening. The connection that's happening in your ISI mastermind group. Uh, share with our listeners really uh, briefly, Aaron. What a, what is a mastermind? There are many different types. Okay, but and I we've talked about this in past episodes, but. Our listeners may not have hear, heard that episode. So if you would, share with them what a, what, why is a mastermind such a powerful thing for a man or a woman to invest their time in? Yeah. Here's the thing, and you're right. There are various kinds, and uh, there's all kind of peer advisory groups. There's board of directors. There's trusted advisors. There's mastermind. Call it, call it whatever you want. But the simplicity of it is, is people that align with your core values, someone that has similar worldviews, that is aspirational in every area of their life or whatever area that the mastermind is focusing on. For us, it's personally, professionally, and spiritually. And I really want to cover every area of your life because I can teach you to make money. It's not that hard to make money, but if you do it at the expense of your family, you still go home a loser. And that's almost what I did. I was so goal oriented and so focused on, I kept moving the bar and uh, came home one day and Robin said, Hey, I'm very appreciative of all you've provided. Like God has really blessed our marriage. He's blessed our finances, but I'm feeling a little bit like a single parent. Like I'm taking Brooke and Holly to Girl Scout practice and cheerleading and ball games. And I need your help. And it was a real wake up call to me. It was like, Hey, I need to be balanced in every area. Right. Rory Vaden, my friend, says that we need to procrastinate on purpose. We need to prioritize our priorities. We need to really be focused on the things that matter and spend an inordinate amount of time focusing on those things. And I had it a little bit out of balance. 
because the majority of my time was being spent at work and building a career and building a business, which is good. Well, I mean, we have to sometimes work in that space. I mean, sometimes there's times even now, and Chris, I'm sure you as well, there's crunch time, there's deadlines, but you can't make that the everyday occurrence of your life because you only get one shot with your family. You don't get a do-over. You don't get a do-over with those kids. They're first this or first that or like when you come home and you kiss them and you know you put them to bed you don't spend any time with them and i got one more proposal to do or one more email to do and the little kids are like i want to pitch baseball i want to go to cheerleading i want to go to recital and i want you there if you're going to cheat somebody cheat the office because they don't have a memory but that family does that spouse that you're married to you know you need to hold them in high esteem because they're deserving of that and you've pledged that in a covenant that you're going to hold them first and foremost. For me, I'm Christian by faith, and so my relationship with God is first, then my wife, then my kids, then my grandkids, then my business. And when you have it in the correct order, you're going to be more satisfied. You're going to be evenly balanced throughout your life, and you're not sacrificing your family as a result of just gaining more um, tangible possessions or status or titles. Because when those things are taken away from you, who are you? And you better have your focus on those relationships. My first core values, relationships matter most. And so when you really start focusing on the things that matter most, you can use that as a filter by which you allocate your time. And I can, I can look at your checkbook and I can look at your calendar and determine what's important. And I hear guys every single day go, oh, my family's the most important. And they spend 15 minutes a day with them. Well, the truth is, is their business is important to them. And so we've just got to really make a determination in life, uh, what's valuable. And quite honestly, Chris, the automobile accident helped me put things in perspective. The brevity of life, the one visit to the hospital can change everything. I know you and I share some similarities. I know you lost a brother and I lost a sister this past January prematurely. And um, we don't ever know when that diagnosis is going to come our way. So we've really got to be shored up all the time, regardless of who we are. Yeah, without question. No, it's it's uh, it's not that you want these things to happen in people's lives, but oftentimes it's what it requires for us to really stop for a moment mm. and put things into a hierarchy or a prioritization, yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you will, of of really what needs to be front and center and then everything else kind of comes beneath that. And, uh, you know, for why, you why does not, it take that though? Why, I don't understand. Like I, I even myself, know. I look back, Mike McCallowitz called me recently. Uh, he's writing a new book and he wanted to interview me for the book. And, uh, because he knew of this devastation in my personal life. And he said that the people that are interviewing, it takes most of the time a major travesty in their life to get their attention. We're smart, right? And we should make intellectual decisions. And I know you're really big in the fitness world and you probably think, why are people eating three Big Macs and all those fries? Like, you know, there's going to be a payday for that. And, but when they have the heart attack, Right. Then they buy a treadmill and then they start losing the weight or you lose a, you know, you lose your marriage into a divorce. Then you get yourself together and you start doing the right. Like we, we need to sit up and do a personal assessment of ourselves. 
And we need to surround ourselves with trusted advisors. Back to answering your question, people that can really point out your superpowers, understand your kryptonite, and point out your blind spots, because the blind spots is what always takes us down. Well, when you're operating in isolation, uh, you don't have that ability to have that perspective. And the most valuable asset in these masterminds is other perspectives. And then when you're in isolation, that's the enemy of excellence. If you really want to go to new heights, you've got to surround yourself with competent, capable people that are willing to throw the flag, to call you out, to hold you accountable, to loan you their courage when you don't have any, uh, to loan you their strength when you're running low, uh, to hold your arms up when you get tired. And they have all the data. They have everything about you. They know your wife, your children. Uh, or the other way, they know you know your business, they know your wherewithal, they know your financial uh, data, they can offer you good advice. Uh, when you just go up and randomly ask somebody for advice and they don't have all the context, they can't give you good advice. And so being in the Eagles group, the group that Dave invited me to, there's no caveats about this is secret or this is private. They know my story. And then when I had a situation, they could give me good feedback. So that's the, that's the long version. The short version is unbiased, trusted advisors that you're willing to subject yourself to their scrutiny that you can walk in a daily walk with them in order to live your life. Yeah. We all need that accountability, regardless of where we are on our journey. Um, whether we all say it. We say that. But having real accountability in your life is a different story, right? It's being willing to say, hey, I'm going to show myself accountable by doing these things. And if I don't do those things, I want you to call me out. You give people permission to hold you accountable. And a lot of people say they want accountability until I call you out. And then when I say, hey, Chris, you said you were going to do this, like, let's come on with it. And you're like, man, you're right. You're right. And so it, it's it's allowed me to have far greater success because I'm willing to be vulnerable and transparent and I invite accountability into my life. That's right. Yeah. Cause we all, we all like uh, compliments, right? No one yeah. ever stopped someone from giving them a compliment, but a criticism, Oh, yeah. that's a whole different story, Keep but if it's coming to yourself. <laughs> yeah. If it's that's coming from say. somebody you respect and have a, a strong relationship with, it's, it's coming right. from a place of love. Right. It's coming from a place of, listen, I understand who you are. I know what presses your buttons. I know right. your best moments and your worst moments. I know what you've told me you want to work on. Yeah. This is coming from a place where I just want you to grow in this area because we all have our faults and our weaknesses. I, mine is anger um, and uh, and just like a short fuse over really minor things in most cases. Um and I pray every day for God to help me in that area of my life, but also the people in my life to help me. And the the, the devotions and the, the Bible reading I do is uh, yeah. so much of it's predicated on removing anger and right. getting past your anger and those those feelings that really rob yeah. us of, of yeah. the best moments. Um, Chris, we need to avail ourselves to people that we really trust. I've got three men that I meet with every Monday morning at 630. I've been doing this for 30 years, and they dive deep into my personal life, and I do them as well. There's nothing. 
They don't know about me. They know all of my weaknesses. They know the areas that the enemy is attacking. It's a safe place for me to confess and to share and to be vulnerable. And there's so many times in my life where I was distracted and I would go there and say, I don't want to be distracted, but this is what's going on. Please hold me accountable to this. And it's probably saved me many, many, many times prior to that. I made some horrific mistakes when I was alone. There was no accountability uh, left to my own devices. Oftentimes will be um, futile and it will cause you great grief. And then you'll spend the rest of your life working your way out of that hole rather than going to someone and saying, I want you to do life with me and help me. So if you're listening to this interview today and you don't have accountability in your life, I want to encourage you strongly to get some people that you trust. Go slowly. Don't dole out everything at one time, right? Get to know them. They have to earn the trust and walk that journey with them and be willing to share because it will save you a lot of grief. Hmm. Without question. You know, it's, it's, it's reminding me of something my wife just recently shared with me. Uh, she sent me a short video of a, a woman. I believe she was a coach at Duke. Um, it was, she's either, either an administrator or a coach, and she was speaking to – they never showed the crowd she was speaking to, but I imagine it was all students. Uh, it was all young people. And she was talking about the whole uh, concept of, um, you know, you work hard now, things will be easy down the road you know it's a misconception is what it is and she was tackling it and i loved how she talked about it because life is hard it's hard for all of us but it never stops being hard what it does is it creates a stronger person who handles the hard stuff better and what what is what her message was and that's really what with iron sharpens iron what you're what you're doing is when you are rubbing up against other men and and communicating with each other openly, honestly, all of the all of the issues and the, the the feelings and the emotions attached to things, relationships and business and all how all these things overlap in our life. We 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 think we can separate them, right? Really, but they all overlap, right? And and when you're in communication with somebody who's been through life's experiences but has a a different look at a different perspective because they're not in the same thing you're in and you're not you're not in the same thing they're in and then you're in this group of you know nine or ten other gentlemen and you're meeting on a regular and that trust and that bond that forms you cannot it's hard to articulate probably the how powerful and how meaningful those bonds and relationships are um Without it, you're not the man I'm talking to today. No, uh, you can go much faster going alone, but you can go much further when you're going with a tribe. And um, the the other thing is just, for me, the most valuable part is the accountability. It also is the perspective and the insight. So you've only got one life experience. Everyone listening to me today has only got one life experience. You can only see it one way. Even if you wanted to see it differently, it's impossible because you've got one set of filters. Well, when you surround yourself with other people that can give you other insight, you didn't even know what you didn't know. You didn't know that was a thing. You didn't even know you could see it from that way. I spoke to Jeff Hoffman, one of the founders of Priceline. He's a multi-billionaire, started multiple businesses, and he made a very interesting comment that he explained 
He said that 10% of everything that he reads daily has nothing to do with anything that he has any interest in. And I'm like, well, you got to explain that because I don't get that at all. (laughs) He said the irony of that is the majority of his great ideas came out of the 10% reading because it opened new perspectives. Wow. See, when you only align with the things you're interested in, you don't have a different perspective. And these, this reading of different various topics opened up new ideas for him. He didn't know what he didn't know. And that's what masterminds do. And I can't even begin to tell you the insight that it's given me, the resources, the encouragement, uh, the accountability, uh, pointing out the blind spots is something uh, Chris, when I was in my thirties, you wouldn't have had me as a guest. I was very arrogant. I was very condescending. Uh, I had started reading my own press clippings because I was a young guy, very poor and able to retire at 27. You can imagine how that can mess with your psyche. And I felt everything I touched turned to gold. Right. And I wonder oftentimes if the wreck wasn't something directly for me to give me a sense of humility. And so I learned through that and then learn being in these mastermind groups and people calling me out. I used to say I didn't lie. I made it interesting. And so I would embellish stories when I was a young man just to make it interesting. And a buddy of mine called me out on that one day. He said, I heard you tell somebody that you've been all over South America fishing. And I said, I have. He said, no, you haven't. He said, you've been down there twice. He said, the Amazon is 4,000 miles long, and you've probably covered 100 miles of it. You wanted that guy to think you were a big shot. That's the reason that you told him that you've been all over South America fishing. He goes, you need to be accurate in your comments. You should have said, I've been to South America twice. And see, it was a very important lesson to me. It was a blind spot for me because we're leading people to believe something that is inaccurate. And so it was a blind spot, and I was able to work through that. And now, even today, when I tell something that's remotely not exactly the way it was, I catch myself and go, well, no, it's exactly like this. And so I would have never had that had I not had somebody in my corner that was willing to throw the flag and point out my blind spots. So the audience that we're talking to today, we all have blind spots, and we need people around us with courage to point them out. Yeah. I love it. Um, it's humility is what it is. And I, I don't know that I've ever seen. There's a few other traits that character traits that people can have. But I, I find a humble person to be one of the more attractive in a man or a woman, attractive qualities in another human being when they will never say anything about themselves to put themselves up over anyone else. It's they're not stuck in the land of comparison or anything else. And I, and, but gosh, they could, it's the people that could, right? It's like, gosh, you, you've done this and you've done that. And it's remarkable how you've, how you did this and changed that. And you, they won't say a darn thing. They become great listeners of people. And when you're humble and a great listener, it's probably one of the more appealing qualities I've ever been around and it just it makes you now you're trying to pull stuff out of these right. people because they're right. not they're learn. not coming right. out with it. Right. You know, scripture teaches us pride comes before the fall, mm-hmm. and uh, God gives grace to the humble. And so, yeah, it's a great word. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, it's wonderful. You know, 
There was something mentioned on uh, on your uh, website, the Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind Group website that I was uh, looking through, and you had used the word that you know we're givers here. And there's a great book I read, Give and Take, uh, a while back. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar, fam- familiar with that book or not. You've, you've probably read it. You're an Adam avid Grant. reader. Yeah, yeah. It's a heck of a good book. And I think it's a, a message worth uh, sharing briefly with the difference, uh, for those of you listening, the difference between what a giver is, a taker, and a matcher. And I think when you have these things, and it, there's, there's good things about all of them, right? But... Could you share just your thoughts on, on, on what that is so that the people listening can kind of in their own mind be like, oh, that's probably more me. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll give a couple little interesting stories related to that. So recently we had a gentleman applied to Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind. And I could call his name, and the vast majority of your audience would probably know who he was. And uh, he knew he was a slam dunk. He was going to get in no problem and filled out the – application and do a 40 minute interview with me everybody that joins we get to the end of the interview and uh he goes what else and i said uh well no there's nothing else i said uh we're going to decline the interview decline the application and the phone just went dead silent he was like what and i said uh now i'm going to decline this i don't think you'd be a good fit for our group and he was blown away he couldn't believe that i turned him down and uh, he said, can I ask why? And I said, well, you don't know me very well, and I'm pretty plain-spoken, and I'm pretty forward. Uh, do you want to go in this conversation? He goes, absolutely, I do. And I said, you're the most arrogant, condescending guy I've ever interviewed since I've started Iron Sharpens Iron. He goes, what do you mean? I said, all you asked about was the other members and what you were going to get out of it, the average net worth, when they met, what companies they owned, who you could meet as a result of that. I said, that's not who we are. That's not our culture. Our culture is givers. What you should have come on this interview and said was, is, hey, I'm this guy. I've got all these resources. I own all these companies. These are the people that I know. This is what I can teach. This is how I can mentor some of the younger guys in the group that they can aspire. Like, that's the guy we're looking for. And he stopped and he said, I've had this problem my whole life. And it ended up in a really good conversation. I still declined the application, but it ended up in a really good opportunity to be able to share with him that no disrespect, nobody cares what you have. They really don't. Nobody cares. The only thing people care about is how you make them feel. Hmm. That is the primary interest that people have. And so we look for people that say, hey, man, I want to grow. I want to scale my business. I want to be a better man. But I'm also going to come in and challenge these guys, and I'm going to help, and I'm going to share resources, and I'm going to encourage. I'm going to show up to the call. I'm like, okay, now you're singing my song. And when you get a culture of givers, you're going to get all you want. But you've got to be real careful because one bad apple spoils the whole bunch. Mm -hmm. And so we really are selective on people that we get, people that are willing to open the playbook, people that are willing to say, hey, I've got great opportunities for you and resources and I can share and I'll spend time with you and I'll encourage you like that's what we're looking for and as a result of that we can't even call back and reach all the people that reach out to us because we're constantly trying to give we teach giving it's the culture of iron sharpens iron Mm -hmm. and it's just a lot more fun Chris and you know well as I do when you're in that environment 
rather than somebody sitting over there with their cards close to the vest and they won't share and they're very standoffish and they won't open up they won't be vulnerable they won't be transparent they're not willing to share their resources or their network with anyone it's like he's not going to last long term Hmm. like that guy's going to last a little while but he's not going to last long term Hmm. when i was in the construction business we uh we had a very successful high-end residential construction company. We built small commercial. And we started the Master Custom Builder Council. And what that was is where the local builders had an organization that we met together. We were competitors, but we met together to share best practices. We would do parade of homes and give the money to charity. And as a result of us meeting, sharing best practices, we started buying in bulk and it saved us money. Well, in order to pass that on to the consumer, the word got out that this builder council was the place to go, and all of our businesses increased. We were competitors that came together, shared resources, vendors. We shared contractors. We bought in bulk together. We did things for the community with parade of homes. And you're like, I would never share with anybody like that. And I'm like, hey, it's all the matter of the heart. It's all the matter of, is it about you only, or are you willing to share and give and help? People join us all the time, want to start masterminds, and I teach them. I teach people all over the world how to start mastermind groups. I've even written a book called The Mastermind Playbook, and it teaches people to go in direct competition with me. Listen, there's 7 billion people on the planet. I've got 150 of them. There's plenty of people out there that can use what we're doing to scale mastermind groups uh, and I teach people. And when they find out I teach, they say, why do you do this? Because I, I want other people to transform lives. Wow. And when you do that, you just attract a lot of givers. That's exactly right. It's, uh, it reminds me. I, I, love, um, I love that story because it's so powerful. Um, when you give, the, the universe has a way of giving back tenfold, doesn't it? Sure it does. Uh, Mike, the founder of, the, of this business, uh, had very much that same mentality when he started, that the, the pie was only so big, right? And he had a bench press site, right? As I, I, we talked about earlier, you know, Critical Bench was a, a, a muscle-building bench press website. That's how we started almost 25 years ago. And when Mike got wind of another guy that also had a bench press program that he was trying to sell, well, that was his sworn enemy online, right? I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to fight this guy tooth and nail. No way, you know, and for years that went on until they finally met one day. And once you know it, they're still friends because what they realized is that they could actually help each other. And once Mike started getting into mastermind groups back in 2006, 7, 8, and started to be around other people in his industry, that's when everything changed for the better. Because that pie is, you can't eat all the pie. Now, here's, that's a scarcity mentality. That's it's right. not a, an abundance mentality. Right. When you have an abundance mentality, it's not like you get one piece of the pie and there's not enough for anybody else, right? Seven billion people is a lot of people, and it doesn't take many to have a very successful mastermind. And so I want to share. I want to help. I want to teach. And like I said, people have called me all over the world teaching them how to build these masterminds and scale them like we've done it. 
and uh, they're being very successful as a result of it. Yeah. Yeah, Mike, uh, we, we've all been part of, done some teaching in various mastermind groups. Uh, the, the, the owner of the business, Mike Westerdahl, also uh, hosts the show on occasion. And uh, we're, as I said, we're old friends. We've known each other for 35 years. Um, he invests a lot of time and energy and money into mastermind groups because of the that he just realizes, man, it's that one conversation, it's that one relationship that that can can be everything and can really be a game changer. Um, I wanted to shift gears just slightly talking about the, the connection that's formed between these men in ISI um, and the need for any man listening. And I'm talking mostly to men, of course, women, too. Um, this is a this is a, a human being thing, not just a man or a woman thing. But as a man, I can I can speak more to the guys because we can be so good at isolation, whereas women, I think, are so much better at being together. Men are really good at kind of being independent as we age. And will you talk about how vitally that uh, important that is and, and on different ways you can do it too nowadays you could do it virtually where there's some in-person stuff mixed with virtual connections on a weekly morning groups it could be a, a church thing it could be a community thing but being part of something being on a team in a in a team environment how that is just such a life changer yeah, well, it's just so much more fun, first of all, yeah. right? You're able to share through some of your experiences, but you also learn a lot, and then you can celebrate the wins, right, as a result of that. Something kind of interesting, I've been very involved in our church and church leadership my entire career, and uh, we attend a church that is about 7,000 members, and uh, went to our pastor, we're very good friends, and I said, hey, I want to take our deacon body and uh, I want to do some cool things with it. He said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to overlay the mastermind principle in the deacon leadership teams, and you let me do it, I'll train, I'll teach, I'll walk them through it. So for weeks and weeks and weeks, I've been training these facilitators to lead these deacon groups. And they told me just last week, they said, we've been going to this church for 25 and 30 years. They said, we've grown closer in the past 12 weeks than we have in 30 years because I've developed a framework that allows them to be man in the middle. They can come on these virtual calls. Even the people that are going here locally, we meet virtually because of the time savings, right? You just get on your own for an hour and you hang up. You don't have to go physically meet. And then we're getting involved in every man's life. We meet them where they're at. And I said, that's been the downfall of the church all this time. They say, ah, oh, it's not about you. Well, a portion of it is about me. I've got to raise my family, and I've got needs that need to be met. And so we get involved in every man's life. We do a program called Come As You Will Be, where we develop a strategy in five key areas of your life, aspirational goals. We built an accountability tool that overlays on top of that, that we track every single movement that you make through this process for a 36-month period until you accomplish your goal. Well, when you've got 10 people holding you accountable to doing the task, how much faster do you think you're going to accomplish that goal than if you were on your own? It's so easy to procrastinate and kick the can down the road and I'll do it later and you never get back to it. But when your feet's being held to the fire, uh, you grow exponentially. And then we have this accountability in trial areas that you're dealing with. It's like, hey, I'm weak in this area. I need guys to call me out. Well, after a period of time, 
habitually you build this habit that you're able to overcome some of these obstacles. So we're meeting men right where they're at and walking with them. We're not going in and saying, hey, you're necessarily doing this wrong. It's what are your aspirations? What do you really want? Have you done a personal assessment? Have you really peeled the layers back and understand what motivates you? And why are you trying to accomplish that? And we dive deep into that. And then when you have people weekly that's texting you, that's calling you, that's emailing you, that's encouraging you, it just seems a lot more interesting than when you go it alone. And then I don't know about you, Chris, but during COVID, I had to make decisions hourly for our organization. A lot of people talk about I meet monthly or I meet every quarter with somebody. It's like, man, dude, I need five people a day every day during COVID for me to make these decisions. We'd never been here before, so I didn't know what to do in a lot of situations. And so if I hadn't have built the relationships when I didn't need them, I wouldn't have had those people when I did need them. And a lot of people listening to me right now say, my life's pretty good. Well, hopefully it'll stay pretty good, but I wasn't looking for an accident. I wasn't looking for a relationship problem. I wasn't looking for financial travesty on some businesses that I owned. And if I hadn't have been investing in these relationships, where would I've turned? And so I think it's just so many benefits in so many areas. Women have become the biggest advocate of iron sharpens iron because they said, I don't know what you've done to my man, but keep doing it. Cause he's a better guy. He's a better dad. He's got boundaries in place now and uh, they're living a life that is amazing. And so, yeah, I could go on for hours talking about the benefits of it, but it is a life changing experience. It really is. Uh, the the men stepping up and stepping into their role um, is is such a there's such a huge need. Obviously, I read you something earlier before we started podcasting about just the need for the and and, and it's, it's men on every level from twenties up into you know your your senior years, of course. But it's it's that desire to be an action taker to be a man to be the husband the father to 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 have things as we talked about in an in an order in a hierarchy but it's 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 just showing up and it's just committing to something and and not leaving people um not le- leaving an emptiness that needs to be filled by by someone else or something else um and I mean, and I, and I mentioned it, obviously, it, Tony Evans says it's so good in, in my Kingdom Man devotional. He says um, he, he would visit prisons, right, from, uh, and prisoners from homes where the father was absent, neglectful, or abusive. And he said it's why overwhelming percentages of prisoners and high school dropouts had absent fathers, Society's problems are not just society's problems. They're the church's problems. They're our problems. Um, and it's, it really comes down to men being absent, uh, absent of their role in, in all the many ways that they need to show up in the workplace, in the home life, in, the, in their communities, in the church. And as I said earlier, it's not about things getting easier in life. Things will always be hard. It's your ability to handle the hard times better because you're set up for it. You're supported. You're preparing yourself, right? You know, also, Chris, if you think about this for a second, 43 years ago, I stood on a platform 
and made a covenant before God that I was going to take care of Robin and I was going to protect her, uh, sickness and health. I was going to nurture her. I was going to love her. And I don't want to break that covenant. I want to give all I got. I want to leave every drop on the field. I want to squeeze everything out of the tile I can get out of it. At the end of the day, I want to go, you know what? Maybe I didn't do as good as maybe I should have, but I gave it all I've got. And same way with being a dad. Uh, I think when we know better and can do better and don't, I think it's wrong. And I think we're cheating our families. And I think we owe it to our families to be in personal and professional development. Uh, you just don't wake up smarter. You know, when I first started the Eagles group, I told Dave Ramsey, I said, I don't like to read. He goes, I don't care. Shut up. Read the book. He goes, you just don't wake up smarter tomorrow through osmosis. And that is so true. And so we've got to always be on our game. I heard uh, a very, very prominent speaker make this proclamation years ago. He said he spends 10% of his gross revenue on personal and professional development. And I thought, man, that is a lot. And then he went on to say, 30 consecutive years, my income has increased as a result of that development. And I went and pulled our balance sheet and profit and loss statement looked, and I spend more than 10% on development in every area uh, of my life. And my income also has increased radically over the years. See, the thing is, is that we, we've got to be investing in ourselves. We, we've got to be spending the money to level up. Things change, right? Used to technology change things every 25 years. Now it's annually. It changes things annually, and we need to keep up. We need to have that cutting edge. We need to be sharpening our axe all the time in order to perform at a maximum level for our families. And so I'll just encourage all of you today that are listening to really think through what are you doing for your personal and professional and spiritual development? What is it that you're doing each and every day? It's just not going out there, getting more, bigger, better, shinier, and faster just for the sake of getting it. Ask yourself some difficult questions and really understand yourself and understand what it is that you want and why you're achieving it, and then do it in a fashion that you don't cost your family as a result of it. Yeah, it's wonderful sent sentiment. I, I love when you said about the sharpening of the axe. It's the it's the wise uh, it's the, it's the wise lumberjack, if you will, the, the man who spends most of his time sharpening his axe who only has to go out and swing it once or twice to get the job done versus the other the other people out there not, not investing all that time and effort in keeping it sharp and working really hard with a dull blade. And um, so keep your blade sharp. I love it. Um, can you share, and I'm sure you have many, could you share maybe one particular testimony of uh, someone in your group over the years that really just comes to mind, um, just blew you away or was just a, just an absolutely wonderful transition in someone's life? Yeah, I'll share two if I'm allowed. Sure. Uh, one personal, one professional. Um, we have a guy that does a very large business, one of the most wealthy guys probably in Iron Sharpens Iron. And he was struggling personally. There were some personal uh, situations that were going on in his life. And one of the persons that probably from an economic standpoint uh, was least of the group uh, helped him understand the value of relationships and nurturing his relationships back with his children. And I thought, what a what a word picture. You know, you've got all this money and all these homes. This guy had eight houses, a yacht. I mean, you name it. And this other guy is barely getting by. 
helped him put his relationships back together. And I thought, what a beautiful picture of being a mentee and a mentor both ways. We had two guys that came to us three years ago, Will and Ryan, they're amazing guys. Uh, they wanted to buy property. One of them was a mortgage banker and the other one was a state trooper. And these guys were fabulous men, but they didn't know a lot about business in the entrepreneurial space. And they wanted to uh, buy property. And so uh, they had three homes they had already bought when they joined us. And as a result of being in the mastermind, they learned to scale the business. They learned how to manage the finances better. And after it sounds unbelievable. After 36 months, they've bought 350 houses. And now their goal is 3,500 houses in the next 10 years. And they learned that in a 36-month period. And it wasn't that difficult, but they didn't know how to do it. It's Nothing's difficult if you know how, right? And they didn't know how to scale the business. And so there's everything in between, right? There's people that have done um, nowhere near that, uh, but they're a better husband. There's people that are better dads, right? And a lot of people are understanding that uh, what I talked about at the beginning of the interview is that one day you're going to come home and uh, that little boy that was sitting there when he was 10 wanting to pitch baseball uh, is not going to be there and he's going to be away in college or have moved out of the house. And at some point you're going to wake up and you're going to go, okay, I'm going to rebuild that relationship and you're going to call him and he's going to say, dad, you know, I'm sorry, I'm, I've got my own life to live now. And you've missed that opportunity. So I want to encourage the dads and the moms that go home this afternoon. There's not an email or a proposal that's going to be more important than you spending time with your children. Uh, you're not going to get that back. You don't get a redo. And so I want to encourage you not to miss that opportunity. There are times that you have to work. I get it. But uh, you need to take advantage of that opportunity. Chris, there was a new statistic that came out recently that really broke my heart. It said that young girls that have premarital sex prior to age 16, there's an overarching evidence that shows that the family doesn't eat dinner together. And it said every family that eats dinner together every night, the statistics go almost to zero for those girls. You know what? They want attention and they're going to get attention from somebody some way. And they're too immature to understand the ramifications that go along with that decision. And so I want to encourage you. My wife's been just a real pro. My wife is old school, no phones at the table. Everybody eats together. We eat dinner same time together. It's a family event. We're going to communicate. We're going to talk. And so, yeah, put some boundaries in place. I'll share one more thing. I know we're getting ready to wrap up, but my wife came up with something about 20 years ago that's been really instrumental in our personal marriage. Our bedroom is our sanctuary. There's no pictures of the grandchildren in there. There's no pictures of our children. There's only pictures of us. There's no electronic devices that are permitted in our bedroom. There's no TV in our bedroom. Uh, we don't argue. We argue plenty, but we don't do it in our bedroom. It's a safe place for us. And that's become kind of our sanctuary. We, we do a lot of pictures and videos here that I shoot videos for promoting books and courses and things like that. But that's off limits. That is our place. That's our space. And that 
really shows each other that we respect one another and we regard that as kind of holy grounds. That's our place. And so whatever it is, if that doesn't interest you, pick something that shows your spouse, your mate that, uh, hey, this is our place. This is our space. Uh, we're not going to allow the intrusion of electronics and devices and other people. And uh, I think it just shows your willingness to care about the other person. And it just shows your interest in holding them in high regard. So, yeah, just a few things as we end related to that. Just protect your family at all costs. Uh, we've got a very big responsibility in managing our families, and we need to protect them well. Oh, well, that's, that's a wonderful message, and uh, I couldn't. It'd be impossible for me to agree agree anymore with it because I almost got emotional when you were mentioning about there's nothing more important than that time invested with your children uh, when they're younger. Uh, my my son just turned 11. Uh, I coach baseball, have been for years. Um, that's our that's our daddy son time, man. And I, I tonight I have to leave at a certain time because. I, I want to be there at his practice, I, you know. Um, I want to be at all of his games, you know. For my daughter, it's it, for her. It is just sitting next to you, uh, yeah. talking. Gosh, the little you. girls can talk, and yeah. they just want you to listen. Um, Chris, let me tell you what will come as a result of that. I'll give you a sense of encouragement because I know I'm probably twenty, twenty-five years your senior. Yeah. Uh, my baby girl turns 38 this year and my oldest daughter turns 40. And recently, because I did invest the time with my kids, my daughter's got grown children now in college, but she came and sat next to me recently and, um, nobody else was in the room. We were at my house and my den and there were sofas everywhere and chairs everywhere. And my daughter sat right next to me and she just sat there and I thought she was going to ask me a question. You know, she's the COO of our company. I thought she was going to ask me a question and I looked at her and I said, uh, yeah, what, what's going on? And she said, nothing. And I said, okay, what, what, what are we doing? And she just said, I want to be near you. That's it. And I thought, wow, all that time invested for your 40 year old daughter to say, I just want to be near you. Right. See guys, we got to do the heavy lifting. Now we got to do the reps in order to have that kind of relationship later. So I just want to encourage you guys, man, go out there and love on your family. Well, uh, spend the time, uh, cheat the office and spend the time with your family and, uh, nurture those relationships. It'll pay big dividends. Amen, brother. I love it. Um, I, I just love just about everything that you just said. And, um, again, I, I get emotional just thinking about that stuff because family to me is really, you know, uh, just absolutely vital to my existence, to my purpose is that I'm I'm raising our future and I got to do a darn good job. That's my responsibility is to make another strong man, another strong woman. God knows this earth needs it and um, I don't want to mess it up. And so uh, I appreciate you and all you're doing in the world. Uh, it's amazing. Could you please share what's the best platform for people to go to read more and learn more about what you're doing with Iron Sharpens Iron? Yeah, well, thank you so much. Yeah, the easiest way to contact us, if all this sounds uh, like something you'd like to know more about, you're like, hey, uh, I'd like to know more and maybe I could use this in my life. Go to viewfromthetop.com. That's spelled with a V like Victor, viewfromthetop.com. 
People ask me all the time, why did you call it that? I said, because nobody wants a view from the bottom. <laughs> we all want a view from the top. There's an application that you can fill out. You're not making any commitments or anything, but it does put you in front of me for 40 minutes, and we can have a discussion. Let's see where you're at, and I'll point you in the right direction. So whichever way that is, I'd love to talk to you. So viewfromthetop.com. And we'll be sure to include that in our show notes, our description for this podcast. We'll have the link there. So go ahead and scroll down, click that. Uh, wonderful pictures and some testimonial video there with Aaron that you can uh, read more about what he's doing. And uh, just a fabulous so honored to have you on Strong by Design, Aaron, for making the time, for sharing your story. Um, I really, really just loved it uh, selfishly, but uh, at the same time, all of our wonderful listeners got to, to gain so much from it. So thank you, sir. Thank you, man. I enjoyed it. Have a good one. See you, buddy. You as well. Thank you, listeners, for another wonderful episode here on the Strong by Design podcast. You can live a life that's strong by design, but it's up to you. You're given an opportunity every single day. You wake up and put two feet on the ground to make those decisions that will help you move that needle a little in your life and live the life of purpose that you were designed to live. So thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week, as always, with a new episode. God bless. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe so that more people can find out about our show. Plus, you don't want to miss any future episodes with the amazing guests and topics we have lined up for you. 